What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? We're going to do this podcast. My name is Solomon Ali, at Red Nation Oops on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker, at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, it, man? I'm pretty good, actually. I'm doing all right. Um, so we got a lot to talk about. It's been a while since we first podcasted. Um, and we have, uh, I guess we could start with the biggest news, but I, I feel like we can't ignore what happened in Houston this past week. Uh, Hurricane Harvey was pretty devastating to our city, and I and I say our city very literally. I think we take great ownership in this city. Uh, you know, all of us have roots there. Uh, you know, uh, I live in the Sugarland area. Uh, it was hit pretty hard, uh, and there, uh, Houston in general was hit harder than many expected. Even though we expected a lot of rainfall, uh, it was pretty jarring to see the images. You know of the entire city underwater some calling it the storm the flood of the century which was it was incredible it was really really bad here i mean thousands of people were displaced from their homes um shelters were set up across the city uh people were going around on boats rescuing people which was insane like that's how deep the water got and like well and first of all that that's incredibly generous of you to uh to go around with the boat uh it, it really showed the the brighter side of Houston um we didn't know we didn't need this storm to to you know to tell us how awesome Houston Houstonians are but i mean it pretty much confirmed it i mean the generosity of the people here uh whether you were impacted or you weren't i mean everybody wanted to, it seemed like everybody wanted to lend a, lend a helping hand uh the sheer donations from both local celebrities and outside lo- outside celebrities was insane uh you know it, it made you feel good it, ma- it made uh it made you it, it made you restore your faith in humanity a little bit yeah the, uh, the the there being a problem of too many volunteers was probably the most poignant moment of the whole thing to me yeah yeah uh shelters were actually sending back volunteers because th- there was too many people that were you know ready and able to you know to lend lend a hand and you know that just shows the character of the city i mean this this city is very much a love thy neighbor city i mean everybody wanted to help out especially those that weren't impacted because we felt like i was somebody who wasn't impacted at all uh, even though uh, a lot of parts of my area were pretty hit pretty bad like there was a lot of street flooding um just not too far from my neighborhood i only had like a, a leaky roof but i mean that's pretty much it uh you know i people like me were kind of sitting on their hands wanting to help right and, and you're, you're kind of like you feel helpless like you have survivor's remorse like you're, you're watching this and you're seeing the images and like you know 
you want to do everything you can and uh it, it was it was just tough it was tough to watch your city go through that it was uh it was encouraging to see so many people wanting to lend a hand. JJ Watt raised over twenty million dollars, which is insane. Like twenty, however you feel about the guy, I don't care how you feel about JJ Watt. JJ Watt, that's incredible. That's incredibly generous. I mean, uh, and like going around Houston with truckloads of supplies, uh, spending that money, uh, trying to, giving it directly to the people to people of Houston was um, that 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 it felt good. It felt good to see celebrities like. Um, you know James Harden, uh, Alex Bregman, uh, you know whoever the whoever the athlete may be, uh, you know just get give donations, spend time at shelters, um, and even like Nazi Alexander, ten million dollars. I mean that's incredibly generous, man, to give to Harvey relief efforts. Um, and you know other owners in the city were also pretty generous with their time and money. Uh, you know, Jim Crane donated donated four million dollars, uh, and I believe the Texas owner Bob McNair donated one million dollars. I mean, like, like everybody wanted to help a hand. Uh, you know, everybody felt that civic duty to help out their community, uh, and that that felt good. But I mean, it's it's still, I mean, it, the donations that it's going to be a drop in the bucket for what what's going to be a really long recovery for the city, recovery process for the city. Some for some areas of Houston are still flooded today. Traffic is a <laughs> right now. Uh, it's it's still bad. It's it's really yeah. bad right now. It's, I, didn't it, it, like yeah. Didn't uh, didn't some of the bios just start to get below their record flood levels? Yeah, yeah, and it, it's going to cost over a hundred billion dollars in damages to restore the city to what it was before the storm. It's that's and like some people like they're they're going to be displaced from their home. This water got to the foundation of their home, uh got in their carpets, got in their on got on their walls, got you know some of their valuables. Like people were forced to go to their roofs because their house was uninhabitable, which was insane to me. Like that's how bad the flooding got. Like it wasn't just chest high. Like they couldn't they could no longer be on their the second floor of their their home anymore. They went to the roof. They went straight to the roof because they they just were stranded. They they were waiting for evacuees. It was the worst disaster since Katrina in in the United States, and it was. I mean, like, it's it's bad that it happened. It's even it's even harder to see it happen to to an area that you're so close to, right? And um, you know, I just want to wish our thoughts and prayers to everybody in the city of Houston who's, who's still recovering. Um, you can donate to the Red Cross, Salvation Army, Houston Food Bank's a really great place to spend your to donate your money um, if you feel the responsibility to. Um, George R. Brown is still taking volunteers. Uh, they were high on volunteers like last week, but they're running low now. Um, don't let that sit, don't let that you know be a temporary thing. Like if you want to donate, the best times are to donate like two, three, sometimes four weeks after the storm because these guys, these places are still going to need help. It's, it's going to be a long recovery process for the city of Houston. 40,000 people were displaced from their homes. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to say about it. It's one of the most unexpected and terrifying things. Obviously I'm from Houston too. I have tons of people down there. Uh, thankfully none of them were uh, particularly impacted by it, but, uh, yeah, everybody in Houston came together in an amazing way. And, uh, uh, our love i think is well placed yeah yeah it, it it was um it was it was a really incredible experience and um and it was just it, it i still can't get the images out of my head i i kind of i, 
I'm kind of tired of watching the news because it, it just it, it's gut wrenching, right? To see so many people displaced from their homes, so many so much damages. It's like Houston's a strong city, so I'm I'm 100 optimistic that that we're going to recover and be fine uh, a year from now. And it, but but it, this is this is certainly going to take a while. It's it's not going to be easy. Um, anybody who says it's going to be easy, they're lying. They have no idea how long this is going to take. Um, and it's, it, it's, it makes it to make matters worse. There's two hurricanes that might potentially impact the United States um, within the next 10 days, which is that's I mean, that's tough, right? That's tough. It's um, with Irma potentially hitting the hitting Puerto Rico in the coming days and Miami, Florida. I mean, it's going to be bad. And, and like it's it's just tough to watch. It's 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 really tough to watch. Yeah, um, and these are things that are way more important than anything else we're going to talk about. So it's definitely uh, <laughs> this is definitely a thing we need to talk right now. That yeah, this this is real. Uh, this is impacts millions of people, and it's going to keep impacting millions of people throughout this hurricane season and future hurricane seasons. So yeah, yeah, we just have to to keep sticking together and try to make the next time uh, more prepared for it. So I don't know what else to do about it. I'm going to say that I love everybody in Houston. I love the city. Uh, I love everyone who's being hurt by this, and everyone needs to do everything they can. Number one thing, if you know somebody who's been affected by this, help them out directly. Direct help is always the best. Yeah, 100%. Um, our thoughts are with you, Houston. Um, b- b- Houston's strong, man. Houston's strong. We're going to be fine. Get this This city is too damn resilient to fall down after something like this um and like i'm optimistic we're this city is going to be fine this city is going to be fine because the people of the city are not going to let anything happen to it um and yeah let's go ahead and move on to more t- uh, positive subjects uh less less alexander finally sold the team after only two months which was really shocking to me two like less than two months uh finding a seller in tillman for tita owner of the Landry restaurants and the golden nugget in vegas uh network of 3.5 billion uh and it's um you know this guy's been trying to buy a team for a long time this, this guy this guy uh was he had an 81 million dollar bid for the houston rockets in 93 and less beat him out by four million dollars um and <laughs> and and less certainly cashed out man like 2.2 billion dollars was the final number that we saw um, that's 16 times the investment. I think I've, I think I read that. It was 16 times the investment that Les event uh, initially put into this. Um, one of the greatest owners uh, in the history of this town. I, I can certainly say that, um, and probably one of the best owners in sports. Uh, it's gonna be. These are big shoes for t- for Tillman for Tita to fill. Uh, they, this is no small standard to fill. I like, guess Les was incredibly impactful on the organization not only from a basketball standpoint but off the court i mean we, we mentioned his charitable efforts uh to hurricane harvey but i mean it, it's not even it's not even just harvey he's always been an incredibly charitable guy these are huge shows shoes to fill and um i'm going to ask you what were you more shocked by the the, the dollar amount or the sheer time it took to get this done because like, it was pretty quick really really quick i didn't expect yeah, it yeah, the, the speed, honestly. The dollar amount is actually didn't surprise me at all. Uh, that's what the Clippers sold for. Everyone's kind of expecting something in the $2 billion range. Uh, that's just, I mean, the Rockets are one of the most valuable franchises out there. Anybody who didn't think that they were one of the most uh, valuable franchises was not paying attention, I guess. Like, yeah, the Clippers sold for a lot, but it was a few years ago. Valuations have still been rising. 
And uh, I think this Rockets team right now is in a better position than the Clippers were when they got sold. So, which is pretty wild to say that because the Clippers are in a pretty good position at that point. But uh, yeah. this is a it's an extremely good team. All the things we talked about before that they did to set themselves up for long term success uh, clearly were, if anything, a, uh, an enticement to buy. So it's I didn't think it would get done so quickly. I thought they would kind of spend most of this season looking into it. But I guess if you're going to do it, best to do it during the summer so it's not a cloud hanging over the season. Yeah, and, and like uh, that was the biggest thing for me. I thought this thing would take like six months to a year to, to get done. I mean, because ownership sales yeah. are no small thing. I think I think the hiring of Mike D'Antoni took longer than this. I mean, that guy, I'm not I'm not even kidding. Like that's how quickly this thing got done. Um, and for Tito was someone that was rumored to buy the team as soon as it went on sale. I mean, so it you know we we had strong suspicions that he would be a part of this. Um, and he was a sole owner, which was the biggest surprise to me. Spent seventy 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 seven percent of his net worth on this team. That's a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> well, he still has a lot left over. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think I read somewhere that. Um, Steve Ballmer spent nine percent of his net worth on the on the Clippers, and uh, Fertitta spent seventy seven percent, which is incredible. That's an incredible investment, man. Uh, I mean, this guy clearly wanted to buy a team again. He's been rumored to bu- to want to buy a local team for the longest time. He was uh, again uh, wanted to get wanted to buy the Rockets in '93. Uh, was a part owner of the Texans till two thousand eight. Um, this is a guy, this is a guy, a guy that's been grooming himself. To buy a team for the longest time, uh, that's, I think that's the best way to put it. He's he's wanted this for the longest time, uh, much like Steve Ballmer was. Like he, Steve Ballmer was also a, a guy who was who was interested in buying uh, buying a, an NBA team for the longest time. Um, and you know, I think one big positive to come come with this, this is a Houston native. This is a guy uh, from the Galveston area. Uh, you know, grew up uh, here and basically. He he cares a lot about this area. He cares a lot about this region. He's very invested in it. He obviously has the Landy restaurants down here. He obviously has um, a lot of business down here. Uh, the University of Houston is no secret his involvement in the athletics and the university as a whole. He's uh, involved uh, greatly from top to bottom um, at the University of Houston. Um, and that certainly brings a lot of... I think that I think that more than stops talk of the Rockets moving now. I think I think I think it's pretty safe to say that the Rockets yeah. aren't going to be moving for the foreseeable future. Like it's going to be a Houston franchise for the, for um, as long as Fortito wants to keep the team. Yeah, I mean it was never a real concern, but now it's a zero concern, right? And so now we just have to kind of now we have to figure out what sort of owner he's going to be. I mean, obviously he's going to want the team to be the best it can possibly be. But that's kind of true for every owner, except for maybe the occasional Donald Sterling. Right. And he's certainly invested in it, right? Uh, yeah. 77% of his net worth. I mean, this guy uh, wanted badly to buy a team. Um, and, you know, he got it done. Uh, so, I mean, that that's, I guess that's encouraging. Uh, I, I think the real questions going forward is, how much does does Tillman uh, rock the boat, right? Like, did, is he going to keep management in place? Uh, is is he going to is he going to be willing to spend? Um, is is he going to be willing to give Chris Paul next season a lucrative contract? You know, stuff like that. That's what we have in the immediate future to worry about Tillman Fertitta. Um, 
I, I think I think the management place is pretty safe. The management team is pretty safe because I mean, uh, Daryl got an extension this summer, and it seems like it seems like less baby proof the hell out of this organization before yeah. he sold it. Like he gave James Harden an extension, Daryl Morey an extension, um, and he, he acquired Chris Paul. I mean, he, this franchise is really set up well to be a dominant team going forward. Yeah, and the hope also has got to be that this is a guy who's willing to be in the background uh, to allow the team to largely run as it has and not need to have his, his face and name in the uh, in newspapers. That's really what you want from an owner, someone who puts a team first. And uh, so hopefully his record uh, with Landry's will suggest that, you know, it's not it's not him that he wants to be on the on known most yeah, of all yeah, uh, for I mean, his companies. And, and from all indications, he's a really. I know he's on this uh, this TV show for MSNBC or something like that, like a billion dollar buyer. Uh, no, CNBC. I'm sorry. Um, and like, I get that, but he's really like when you when you look at his interviews, he's a really soft spoken guy. Uh, doesn't seem to be too prideful of things. I mean, he's just he just you know does his business and is really in, uh, involved in the community. Donated a million dollars to the Hurricane Harvey relief effort. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he's invested in the region and I, I, again, we won't know what kind of owner Fertitta is for not even like, we're not going to know this year. We're not going to know next year. Well, for owners, you really have, it's really like a five to 10 year period to where you can truly evaluate an owner because for players, you can evaluate how good they can impact a team in sometimes two or three weeks, you know, maybe a couple of months, uh, for coaches, you know, two or three years, I mean, for general managers, about five years is where you can really get a good idea of how good a general manager is. Owners, it's like ten to twenty years. Like, like you, you. Yeah, it really, takes a while to figure it out. Yeah, like, uh, for example, like I'm, I'm not sure, uh, Mikhail Pro. I'm not really sure if Mikhail Prokhorov is a good owner or not. Like, do, do we blame the Billy King era on him, or do we now give him credit for what Sean Marks is doing down there? Like, see, I'm, I'm not sure, right? Like, because he's owned the the team for such a short amount of time. You, it really takes a long period of time to really, to really understand how how he operates. You know, what I mean, and um, I'm I'm gonna dispute something you said earlier. I, I don't think Les was you know not involved in the, in the Rockets. He certainly was. I think he was pretty hands on. Uh, he asked he asked all the questions, uh, all the tough questions uh, to the Rockets and the management team, and he was very involved in all their decision making. He was at a lot of the press conferences. Um, I, I I don't think. The Rockets necessarily need an owner like that, but I mean, some someone who's in the background doing all those things is is what is what I think I think the Rockets need, like somebody who's willing to spend and someone who doesn't care about getting the credit for everything and is it prideful and you know like doesn't need to get his guys in there, right? Because that's a big concern for me. Yeah. Like, is is does he want to bring in his own management team? Does he want to bring in his own, his own uh, CEO? You know, like it, is Tad Brown going to be there? Is uh, Daryl Morey going to be there? Is you know, is Mike D'Antoni secure right now? Like, like that's my biggest concern for the immediate future. I think they're fine, but again, we have no idea, right? Like, I, we have absolutely no idea. Less gave him. Uh, his gave uh, Fertitta his seal of approval, uh, which is comforting. And Tad Brown overs- oversaw the sale, but you know, again, we still we we have to. It's going to take a long time to truly evaluate an owner. It, it takes, again, sometimes a decade to really know how good an owner is, um, how much he's willing to spend, what what he, yeah. how much time he wants to devote to his organization. Yeah. It's, it's going to take yeah. a long time. 
Yeah, the only way you get a uh, you get a good idea about an owner early on is if they do a really bad job. So hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully the team just runs how it's running for the time being, and we're not sure for a while. Yeah, and again, I, I'd argue that Mikhail Prokhorov did a really bad job to to start off, and now he's doing great things. So I'm not sure, right? Like I'm like. I really think it takes like at least five to ten years, like because like so, even sometimes early on, owners misstep and you know they they try to bring in their own guys and they and they try to do things a certain way, and then they realize how the NBA is. Like this isn't like this isn't like your you, this isn't like your child's basketball AAU team, right? Like this is this is an NBA franchise. You can't run it like you run your other businesses, right? And sometimes a lot of owners find out the hard way. That what what they've been doing is the wrong way. Like the Kings, like I, I think, um, I think Vivek Ranadivek is finding this out the hard way. Uh, you know, like you can't run this like your daughter's AAU team. I'm sorry, you can't run an NBA team like that. You can't run this like your other businesses. Um, and uh, they're they're forced to bring in a lot, bring in a lot of NBA guys to, for that front office. Um, and like. I'm not. I don't think the same thing is going to happen here because again, Les put in a lot of a lot of stuff to make sure nothing happens. Like he 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 babe hoofed the hell out of this organization. Yep, uh, they're in a really good position going forward as long as as long as he doesn't try to change up too much stuff. As long as he lets things run, and as I said, hopefully uh, he's the kind of guy who does not put his ego so ahead of everything else that he needs to bring in his whole new team just to make an impression early on that things should be basically fine. Uh, and they'll have a whole, you know, at least a whole season to kind of get used to it. So I'm cautiously optimistic is the way I'll put it. Right. And, and like, um, he has some big, again, he has some big decisions going forward. The Rockets have the eighth highest payroll in the NBA. Uh, Chris Paul, again, coming up on his, um, on free agency and he's going to demand a max contract you got to imagine um and the the team's going to have to spend a lot of money to stay competitive with teams like the warriors which less and 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 daryl were really were really dead set on like they wanted to compete with the warriors um and i i i'm pretty sure Fertitta feels the same way but i mean we again we have no idea we have no idea maybe maybe he pulls the curtain on everything and he decides to tank and dodge the warriors right like we have no idea what fertita is going to do and we may not we may not know for another 4 or 5 years and uh i i think you're fine for the time being um but this really rocked the boat like we we, we, we always talk a lot about organizational stabi- stability from top to bottom, right? And it really felt like the Rockets achieved that early on this summer. Uh, you had an owner that was invested in, in winning and competing for the time being, is willing to pay, um, and you know was happy with the front office and, and coaching staff enough to extend them for long period, for long contracts. Um, you, had a, you had a general manager who was forward-thinking and among the best in the league, and you, you had a coach that aligned with everything your organization wanted uh and and was aligned most importantly with a star player um and and now that's that's i, I don't want to say i don't want to say it's it's totally different now right because it because again fertita may st- may have similar ideals to leslie alexander um they've known each other for over 24 years which is uh encouraging and um and la- I, I believe fertita was an advisor to the team in the in the 90s I, I if i'm not mistaken i gotta check that but he he was he was involved with the rockets early on 
um, in some capacity. And um, so it's possible that he's much like less, um, but we won't know, uh, again, five, ten years. Yep, as long as we don't know soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, for, for the immediate future, how, how do you feel about uh, this team going into next season? Do, do you think ownership's really going to impact the way we view the Rockets this season? Uh, it's... I don't know that it's going to be a huge impact this season. It better not be. If it is, it's a big problem. Uh, as we've discussed, everything's kind of future-proof for the time being. Uh, they just have to kind of let more in-friends do what they're going to do, and it should work out pretty well. I'm actually kind of high on this team, so with any with any tiny modicum of luck, as long as Fertitta like, has any sense at all, he'll just let them do what they're already doing, and I think it's going to be very good. And if he does that also... Uh, it would, if anything, lead him to believe that he should keep doing that. <laughs> the, the better the team does configured in its current situation, the more likely Fertitta will be to trust the current situation and let it be. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much else to say on this. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about NBA over-unders, uh, the Rockets particularly. The Rockets have the second highest over-under in the NBA right now at 55 and a half wins. Um, how do you feel about that number? Um, I wouldn't touch it because I think it's fairly close. No, I, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I I think that's a stay away because, uh, and, and a lot of people will be surprised by that. You you get you get Chris Paul, you add a, a deep bench in PJ Tucker, Luke Mute, Tariq Black, you know, and you retain a lot of your guys. Like, how could it not be a home run like 61 team? Well, they're gonna struggle a lot early on. I think. Uh, it, it's it's gonna be it's not gonna be a walk in the park to assimilate Chris Paul into the fold. Chris Paul is a major major piece. He's gonna impact the offense greatly and the defense. Um, so I mean they're gonna have to figure out a lot of things on the fly. Um, th- half of their team got overhauled this season if you think about it. Because I mean that Chris Paul trade. I mean Montrez Hill went out. Sam Decker went out. Patrick Beverly went out. Um, Lou Williams went out. That's four mate. That's yeah. That's four players that were getting significant playing time for the Rockets that aren't on the team anymore. Um, so this team is going to be totally different from an aesthetic standpoint. Um, and they lost one of their core players in Patrick Beverly. Uh, granted, they upgraded significantly at that position with Chris Paul, but it's going to like they're going to lose a lot of stupid games in the beginning. Like it, that, that's how it is in most superstar combos when they decide to team up. They're going to lose a lot of dumb games, a lot of frustrating yeah. games. <laughs> They'll lose games to Kings and such. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they're going to lose a lot of close games, right? Like to like um, teams they should be blowing out, and um, it's good. It could be rocky early on. Um, by the All Star break, I think they should be able to smooth it out. But but that's enough to sway me away from. Uh, even looking at this over under 55 and a half wins is just way too high. Um, I do think it's possible that the Rockets are one win better than they were last year. Um, it's possible that the Rockets are, you know, on like from a town standpoint, it could be possible that they're like, like a 61 point differential with like a 54 win total, right? Like it's possible that happens, right? It's possible that they lose a lot of dumb games that they shouldn't have lost and it, and, and that, they're really a lot better, and this is a postseason team, I, and I think that's what's important for going in for going into this season. They got better for the postseason, for the immediate regular season. It's possible that they took a, a half step back to take a giant step forward in the postseason, right? And th- that's what's important here because um, Chris Paul dramatically improves your postseason potential, but in in the short term, 
I think your offense takes a step back because you're integrating a huge piece. And I think your defense takes um, a tiny step back initially, and I think they're going to take a, a huge leap later later on. But initially, I think they're going to struggle. Yeah, uh, that sounds about right. Thankfully, they have a pretty soft schedule early on, so uh, things might get pretty all right. But yeah, I think it's a good. That's exactly where I'm at. That they're going to have to figure themselves out. They're also going to have to give themselves some rest at the end of the season. So uh, they're going to lose a lot of games they ought to win, but they also are going to win a lot of games in general. So I think second best team in the league is probably about right. Uh, I think that's probably about the number of wins they'll probably get at the end of the season. But how it is, how exactly it shakes out is unclear. So yeah, stay away. Don't gamble, especially don't gamble on that line. Yeah, it's it, it's it's too high. Uh, and it's possible teams like the Spurs and such might get more wins in the Rockets in the regular season, and and the Rockets end up being like a third seed. Uh, with the Rockets having a higher postseason potential, right? Like it, it's that's very much on the table. Um, it's also possible that, uh, like as you mentioned, that the Rockets rest. Like I think that's a huge possibility. Like ending the season this year, Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni at a press conference where they talked about potentially giving Harden some time off, pulling his minutes back even more, which was um, which was eye opening because they they pulled his minutes back two minutes per game this season, which a lot. I don't think a lot of people noticed, but yeah, Mike Harden, uh, the reliance on Harden was a lot less this year. Um, thankfully, Mike D'Antoni pulled the, pulled it back from where it was in 2015-16. And um, if that goes back to 34 minutes per game, and um, if Harden's sitting, you know, sitting out games at the end of the season on back-to-backs or whatever, and the Rockets feel like they don't need to win these games or like, or like the Warriors are way ahead of them uh, later, early later on the season, so they're they're not going to catch up anyway. So why not rest? Like that's on the table. That's very much on the table. Uh, I think I think resting is a big possibility for this team, which is another reason I would stay away from this line. Yep, but it's going to be a good team and a good year. Yeah, yeah, it's going to again. Like I I think this this has like this team has the potential to win even six to sixty plus games. But like I would not bet on it at all. Like, like, yep. <laughs> like, like I I think they have that kind of talent, but I don't think they're gonna achieve that kind of record. Like, uh, when when we eventually do our regular season preview for the Rockets, um, I'm gonna have them somewhere around the mid fifty range for total win totals, and um, even like I, I think I think that's a that's a pretty solid solid bet to stay away from uh, over unders. How do you feel about them being the second best team in the league? Like, do you think they're at that level? Like, do you think we can solid, we can say with surety that they're going they're going to be the second best team in the league next year? Uh, uh I mean, not not that assuredly. I think they're probably that, but you know, it depends on what happens with obviously teams like San Antonio, teams like Boston, uh, teams like Oklahoma City. Though honestly, I don't think Oklahoma City is as close as everyone else does. Uh, but teams like teams like that are going to be pretty close there. And the Cavs, of course, you never know. The Cavs are a team who always are amazing when it comes to the playoffs, but pretty much always uh, slump in the regular season. So we shall see. I think they're the most likely to be a second best team in the league. I don't see anybody being ahead of them it. for that. So that, that's a good way to put it. The most likely to be the second best team in the league is is the way I would phrase it too. And a lot of this is because we have no idea how these new structured teams are going to be. A lot of teams look really different this year. Like, really different. This offseason was yeah. nuts. One of the craziest offseasons I've, I've and, ever and witnessed. it may not be over. Yeah. One of the craziest offseasons I've ever witnessed uh, in my entire life. It, it 
we probably might not see another offseason like this for another five years. Like that's how crazy this offseason. Like I think I think next offseason might might some people might consider next offseason boring because of how of how incredibly exciting this offseason was. Uh, I'm and, sure something insane will happen that time too. Yeah, I mean LeBron's a free agent, so that's always interesting. But I mean, in comparison, I just it, the amount of star power that shifted teams this year. I mean, Paul Millsap, Paul George, Chris Paul. A lot of Pauls. Um, um, Gordon Hayward, um, Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. A lot of te- a lot of stars shifted teams, um, and it's this team. This the league looks entirely different. I, I think the Boston line was really really high uh, coming out of gates. Fifty six and a half is something. Uh, I don't. I don't think Boston's going to be as good um, as 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 Vegas thinks they're going to be. Yeah, I mean that's kind of why they dropped their uh, their line a little bit. They were they were actually like a game ahead of the Rockets until I guess news about uh I don't know what <laughs> something no. happened that, that dropped their line by a couple of games. I, I think it's when when they saw where the money was going. That's when they really dropped the line. I mean, like that's a really solid under bet. I, I would take fifty six and a half games. Yeah. I feel I feel pretty comfortable taking the under on that, uh, considering they're bringing in two major new pieces and. Um, I don't think they're that good. I mean, I I don't think they're like a title contenders here. And winning fifty, winning over fifty six and a half games means you're a title contender next year. And I I just yeah that that's some that's something I would stay away from. Uh, I think their line is still too high. I think it's like fifty four and a half or something like that. That's it's still too uncomfortable for my liking. Um, yeah, I I I, I think I, I think the way you said it earlier was right. I think I feel I feel comfortable in this team being the most likely to be the second best team in the in the NBA next year, possibly the second. I mean, also the second best team in the West. Um, yeah, um, I think that's about it. I mean, this this is as good of a podcast we could have done in <laughs> September, right? Uh, it's yeah, gonna, it's going to be a long. Actually happened. Yeah, it's going to be a long time t- till we podcast again. Uh, it's possibly. If something happens with Melo, we might be on here, but I honestly don't think anything's going to happen um, until the, tra- the trade deadline. <laughs> like it, like I, I don't think Melo's the trade gonna... deadline twenty twenty. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's looking pretty bleak there in New York, um, and the Rockets have are in, are in no position to rush things. They're in an awesome position, as we mentioned throughout this podcast. Um, they're they're in an awesome position going into next year, and I don't think. There's there any there in any position to rush Carmelo and the trade or go all in on something that may not work right. Um, so I I think I think um, I, I think they're fine. I, I we did we did as much as we, we talked about as much as we could up until up until right now. And yeah, guys, subscribe <laughs> to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Give us a good rating on iTunes if you enjoy the podcast. Give us a good rating on iTunes. Give us five stars. Um, write something nice uh, or write something mean and give us five stars. It doesn't really matter. It's still going to help us. Um, yeah, and yeah, guys, good night.